Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 528th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Tiffany Bova. She is a, a guru, a, an evangelist, a promoter at Salesforce. She's also the author of Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. Uh, she's got a podcast of her own. She's active on social media. I linked all that in the show notes. Uh, but um, had a great talk. You know, we I opened right up with telling her, you know, I have beaten up Salesforce over the years. Um, it's obviously a great CRM, the 800-pound gorilla in the space. Um, but sometimes, you know, I told her, I feel like they, they go after the, the little guys when I think it's they're better suited for the big guys. But um, nobody's perfect. <laughs> we still had a great talk. Uh, you're going to learn a lot. Uh, we bring up Seth Godin. We talk about the fourth industrial revolution, oh, a lot of stuff. So you're in for a treat. If you uh, need more help, you want some one-on-one assistance, hit me up, okay? Go to the saleswhisper.com, go to the contact us, and um, you can set a time to talk, and we will see how to work together, if at all. All right, no pressure. And um, if you want to join our group, if you want ongoing personal coaching from a sales standpoint, um, I've created that option now in the sell more of everything. So check that out. As you go through the checkout page, it's just one of the options. So you can add that either month to month or save a little bit and do it for the year. Why not, huh? I'll help you sell more better, promise. So go do that and then come back and listen to this episode with Tiffany. Tiffany Bova, a woman in demand, multiple best-selling author, uh, evangelist at Salesforce. Welcome to the Sales Podcast. How the heck are you? Great, Wes. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to talk about all things sales. Oh, man. Bring it on. Bring it on. So, all right. I have a confession to make. Are you ready? I, I, hold on. I'm going to sit down. I'm standing up. Okay. Right, you might need, might need to sit. Pour yourself a stiff one. All right. I have been, in the past quite um, critical of Salesforce um, when small people have bought it and have, you know, I've used it personally. I helped train Dell when they deployed it. So uh, I love it for big companies. I felt sometimes maybe the small guys maybe bit off more than they can chew, but otherwise uh, I do like Salesforce, but I just want to get that out of the way. Cause some people are like, aren't you critical of Salesforce? I'm like, I'm critical of everything if it's used in the wrong way. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. I'm and do, glad you, you've probably seen it. People get mad. You're like, oh, dude, yeah, you bought the wrong. You bought the wrong level, right? You you're buying a 747, and you need a, a doggone Cessna. You know, but oh well. Entrepreneurs, do, do we just bite off more than we can chew? What's going on with that? Are our eyes bigger than our stomachs? No, I think you know so it depends what you know an entrepreneur is doing, but. Many, if you think about those that are developing an app or a solution, they're technologists, they're not salespeople. And so sometimes an entrepreneur doesn't know what they don't know when it comes to sales and or they think sales is just really easy or they will build it and clients will come sort of like field of dreams, <laughs> right? Um, so, so some of it is not actually understanding the art and the craft of selling and what's required behind that. Uh, and, and I hear that from a lot, you know, Go to a VC, try to get funding or go out to your family and friends and try to get funding and you have a product or an idea and you want to sell it. And 
the way in which you sort of craft how you're going to earn money. I mean, businesses do two things. They make stuff, they sell stuff. You can make really great stuff. If you can't sell it, it doesn't matter. If you can sell it and it's really bad stuff, it also doesn't matter. <laughs> so those two things kind of have to work in harmony. So, you know, it's not surprising that some, it's not that they bite off more than they can chew. They just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. But then they want to blame us, right? As either the consultant deploying it or you as the, the manufacturer, developer. Uh, rarely, like they say, when, when you point one finger, right, there's three more coming back at you. Um, you know, why do they always want to pass the buck? So I'll tell you when I, I've now been here five years, um, prior to joining Salesforce, I worked for a company called Gartner, which is, uh, the IT industry's largest analyst and consulting firm. And I was a research fellow advising some of the largest, uh, tech companies in the world on how to sell better and go to market as well as startups. So I was about about 60, 40, 60% were sort of large enterprise and 40% were sort of startup and small. And it didn't matter, you know, it was kind of the same situation. When I came here, kind of in the first six months, when I would meet with customers, I was surprised at how many would say the following. We have Salesforce and no one's logging in. People aren't using it. It doesn't give us the value we thought it was going to give us. What is Salesforce going to do to make it better? And I'd be sitting there sort of going, I'm not sure how to answer this question, almost to what you just said, Wes, right? They're pointing a finger at me. I don't want to point it back at them. So let's have a you know, constructive conversation. Usually when I was having that conversation, IT would be in the room and no BU leaders were with them. Head of sales wasn't there, head of marketing wasn't there, head of customer service wasn't there. And of course, the smaller they were, it might be a partner or a reseller, right? Or a systems integrator that came in that was their IT organization. But the business unit leaders were not there. So I'd say, let's not have this conversation from an IT perspective. Let's have it from a business perspective to understand. So I now say we do not have a technology problem. We have a people process problem. So whether you're using whatever technology, Salesforce or something else, that it can pretty much do whatever you want. And if you need something else, my God, there's 8,700 MarTech products out there. You can pick, pick. That's not the problem. The problem is people aren't willing to do the hard work around the process and the people. But before I got on this with you, Wes, I was on um, uh, speaking at a, a kickoff for a leadership team and I was talking about the sales process. They had 17 steps and 100 subcategories. Mm. Now, is that a technology problem or is that a people process problem? Like, would you want to be a sales rep doing that? I wouldn't want to log in either. So, you know, I, I, once again, I'm not passing the buck. I'm just saying that it's not only tech, it's not only people process, it's both. Well, look, it is a technology problem because you should have built in, once they get to the 10th step and they try to add the 11th, it sends an electric shock through their keyboard, okay? <laughs> Good idea. No, no, no. <laughs> Good idea. I'll, I'll offer that up. We know when oh they're going to add. I think you know, I mentioned this on my last interview, but it, it just happened. Uh, I think it was this week. It all runs together, but it was within the last week. And one of the groups that I'm in, a technology group, and one of the users was like, oh, I'm trying to, I think it was a partner. They're like, I'm trying to help somebody. They have 22 products, right? And they're working with a small business and not 22 configurations of basically coaching. And I'm like, no, no. Tell them they, they need three, you know, good, better, best. That's it. You know, they just, they make it so hard. It's like, no, it's just, it's sad to see, you know, it's, 
it's great if you can be that nuanced and, and, and move things along, but I just, I haven't seen it be successful having more than a, a handful of steps, maybe seven or eight, you know, in a pipeline, but even that starts to get unwieldy, but good grief happens everywhere. So, so what are you doing there at Salesforce? You're, your title says advisor. I've seen evangelist, customer experience. Um, like, are you are you considered marketing? Are you considered sales? Is it an overlap? Neither of those two things, actually. Ah, okay. Yep, I do not carry a quota. I'm an individual contributor. Uh, I very much sort of play a similar role to what I did at Gartner, but I do it for our customers. Uh, you know, and from an industry perspective. And so, you know, really looking at what are best practices across high growth companies um, and what does that mean? It isn't just sales. It isn't just marketing. It isn't just customer service, customer success. It's all of them. And then it isn't just, you know, how you're organized and the processes you put in place and sort of what products you're developing. So I'm really at that um, strategy layer trying to say, listen, what and how are you trying to transform the business? You know, if you're trying to optimize what you're currently doing. And or you're a small business and you're trying to scale, what should you be thinking about before you get into a situation where you're having to go back and correct things that you did, uh, you know, uh, uh, prior to your uh, really putting your foot on the gas? So it's very much advisory. It's very much, uh, you know, thought leadership. It's very much putting out content that gets leaders uh, and businesses around the globe to think differently about growth uh, and how they organize themselves to maximize performance across, you know, whatever uh, KPIs they're, they're looking at. So I've noticed in the last two weeks, I've been just doing research in, in the space. Um, I'd kind of fallen down in that area. I hadn't looked at MailChimp in quite a while. Yep. And they're like, they've got like short story of videos and, and shows. And now I, I saw an announcement Salesforce is getting into the streaming business uh, what is going on in this world? Do we are we all uh, entertainers now in business? You know, I think for us, we've always taken a position of highlighting and telling the story of customers that have been very successful in not just using our technology because it's never always us. You know, there is a blend, especially as you get larger and larger, there is a blend of of technology, but that the art of the possible is possible. And so, you know, Salesforce Plus is going to be content that is like, you know, a little bit of Netflix and masterclass for the business community. So it'll be, you know, stories of customers, which we've been doing in a series called Leading Through Change um, in really, you know, showcasing customers that have changed a part of their business and, and either pivoted because of the pandemic, you know, solved a call center of 100 people that all were working from home. How do you turn that back on in 48 or 72 hours? You know, so leading through change really showed us that the desire for that kind of content was high. Uh, and so that's uh, what we're going to do. And, it, and it's a free streaming service. It's not like you're going to add one more $1.99 or $4.99 or $9.99 to your 20 other other things that you stream. Um, but it's very specific for sort of the business audience. Um, there, of course, will be stuff around demos. There will be stuff around each of the clouds and best practices around sales and marketing and customer success. Uh, but we've we've done we've done this time and time again. We have Trailhead, uh, which we launched as a free learning management platform that has trails where you can earn badges on the technical aspect of working around Salesforce, the business aspect of working around Salesforce, but also 
the fourth industrial revolution, how to implement uh, DNI in your organization, how to be a better storyteller, how to you know create better presentations and write better emails. And so this is just this extension of uh, business being the greatest platform for change and offering it out in a way that you know, we have a very large ecosystem that we have to support from a content and education perspective. And so this is another way that we're going to do that. What did you call it? DNI? Yeah. So diversity and inclusion. So it oh, might okay. be, you know, how do you create teams or, you know, how do you recruit differently or, you know, and so it's not just about us and our technology. It's also about just being a better business, uh, you know, how to be a more sustainable business, how to become net zero. We have training on all of that, which you could argue has nothing to do with Salesforce, but it has everything to do with kind of who we are, you know, as a brand, especially if you know anything about our CEO, Mark Benioff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a, a customer in the last week. I've had a productive week or two, so it's kind of interesting. Um, you remember Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? Yes, I do. All right. So you know what that means? It means you and I are are, are seasoned, right? I am seasoned. <laughs> but he didn't remember it. So he was a little younger. Uh, but I was talking about the need, like, put yourself out there. Um, oh, oh I, I remember this guy does um, emergency restoration, right? You get a fire or a flood and and it's a crowded marketplace it's like everything's a crowded marketplace and but it's local and i said man he's just and i'm talking to a friend of mine that's doing the consulting it's like it's such a good avenue for local for facebook to do videos and i'm like but there's only it's not something we think of right you I, i've lived in this house 12 years we we had to use it once you know unfortunately our neighbor is in the space but i was like he needs to be hosting like mutual of omaha Host a do-it-yourself for like how to install a ceiling fan, how to do flooring, whatever, like to be in front of people. And then, oh, when the time strikes, if it ever strikes, they'll think of him. Is that is that kind of the angle that you're talking about with the education and, and whatnot, even though yes. it's not your your true space, but you're. Yeah. Yeah. But just think about him for just a second. That's also something he would never probably think about. Right. Right. And if he's busy, he's most definitely not think about thinking about right. it. he's working harder, not smarter. Right. Right. And so what if you learned about, OK, I want to connect myself with a realtor. So every you know time they sell a house, I offer to go in and clean it before the new people move in. Like what a great service. The real estate market is on fire. So instead of saying it's just about fires and floods, you know, which might only happen once to your point, Wes, right? that people are buying and selling homes at a rapid pace right now. So it's a good, uh, you know, easy, uh, close to the core business model to expand your, you know, trap, right, of trying to get customers in. And, and you know what, that might do so well from him, he might stop doing the more expensive, more labor intensive, you know, cleaning up after floods and fires, you yeah. know, and so uh, usually going back to your very first question, entrepreneurs, don't necessarily think like that, right? I've got a good business. I pay my bills. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I have enough customers. And they're not thinking about how do I actually scale? They're happy with the growth they have. They're happy with the business that they have. And so that's part of it. If in fact, he was saying, I want to double or I want to get another truck or another team, you know what I mean? And I want to stay local. I just want to be able to do more in a day. Because if I'm not working, I'm not making any money in that situation, which we know is never 
a good strategy, right? That's why recurring revenue is such an amazing model because I could be not working and still making money. So if he was going to say, I want to double my business, how am I going to do it? That's the advice, right? Do you go to a, you know, close to the core offering? Like I just said, cleaning a house, or do I say, how do I get better, you know, at um, doing business that is either uh, not once in a decade for someone's house, you know, and get into something that gives me a little bit more. I don't know about flooring and fans, but it could be about avoiding floods, what to do if your water pipe breaks, you know, so to keep close to where he has permission to have the conversation, you know, or if there's a small fire in your kitchen, what to do and where to put fire extinguishers or where the water turnoff valve is for your house. Like there's a lot of value he could add to your point. It's about um, getting people to think about you at that moment when they need you. Yeah. So your book is Growth IQ, your most recent book, uh, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. So along those choices, kind of what we're talking about here, you know, it, it's a catch-22, right? Do, does that emergency restoration guy just go deeper and just, you know, just crush the competition, you know, and just be the dominant player in that one space? Or when is it time to branch out? You know, like I remember when Salesforce bought Exact Target and Exact Target had already purchased Pardot. So, I mean, Salesforce was and still is, right? The 800 pound gorilla in the CRM space. But they saw, like, okay, there's email, there's marketing automation, there's Salesforce automation, there's sales enablement, you know. So, so Salesforce saw it and, and branched out, but not until they dominated, right? So, when is, when do we know? that it's time to branch out versus double down and focus on our core? Super good question. So the first, and and that's kind of the premise of a couple of paths in the book, the the growth IQ has 10 paths to growth. Um, And um, in full transparency, if you read the book, you're going to go, yeah, I kind of knew this. And the growth paths are not outside of the 10th one. The growth paths are nothing new customer experience. Sell better, sell more to your base, expand into new markets, add new products and services. You're going to go, yeah, like that's all stuff I know and has been around for 130 years, if not longer, from a business perspective. But what I did was I modernized it based on social, mobile, cloud, big data, AI, machine learning, AR, VR, which we have tools at our disposal that allows us to do those things in a very different way than we might have in the past. So, you know, examples of Um, startups to hundred year old brands are in there. There's 30 stories uh, in the book that kind of tells what I'm trying to communicate. But in the very first part of the book, I asked this question and you just kind of alluded to it, Wes, is not all growth is good growth and not everybody wants to grow faster than they're already growing. And so that's the first thing you have to ask yourself if you're listening to this. What am I growing now? 3%, 4%, 5%. Am I comfortable? And if you are, thumbs up. (laughs) But know that somebody could come and crush the business because you haven't continued to invest in staying, you know, as relevant as you could. If you're growing at three, four, five, six, 10, 15%, and you want to double that, like you're a million dollar business and you want to become a $5 million business, that's a very different conversation. Now you say, have I built a beachhead? (laughs) Which is think Amazon. They built a beachhead around books. That was their beachhead. They sort of proved their model uh, around that. 
Um, and you can see, you know, Spotify or Netflix, you can see, you know, HBO saying we're going to own it on TV. Now we're going to go to streaming where that close to the core expansion makes a lot of sense. But is it I, you know, I'm selling, you know, uh, um, repair for, you know, disaster in, in someone's house. And now I'm going to do, you know, landscaping. Okay, well, maybe because you could go to all your customers and at least landscaping is a weekly thing, right? Or a monthly thing. Okay, maybe. But if you're like, I mm, pool repair, okay, that's kind of close to the core. But if it was like, you know, something to do with cars or something to do with, you know, a sport, you'd be like, okay, that makes no logical sense. So I think some of the things that, um, you know, the example you gave for us, that was all close to the core, right? Marketing and sales, close. Service and sales, close. Okay, now we're going to buy, you know, uh, an integration tool in MuleSoft to integrate because we know not everyone just uses Salesforce. Now we've got Slack, which, okay, now communication is changed. And so all of that, we have earned permission to play in the space that has everything to do with the big R of relationship in CRM, right? That, that the big R. So mm-hmm. if relationship is online, offline, in mobile, you know, face-to-face, uh, on the web, we, we try to create that, but the beachhead was sales cloud, right? CRM and its classic sales automation 21 years ago. Um, and so that's an important question because I think many entrepreneurs don't know whether they want to grow faster or double, or they don't even know what's working and not working because they are just heads down in the work, right? Working harder, not smarter. Yeah, for sure. So what do we need to get right? As we end 2021, going to 2022, there's still so much uncertainty, right? It's like we thought COVID would be over. It's not over. It's not go. It's not going to be over for a while. Uh, stock markets at all new highs, but it's like I don't trust it. I think it's all government manipulated. But I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, what the heck? What? What do we do? How do we make money in the next 18 months? Tiffany, tell me. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you what uh, what Salesforce did was it was sort of April, May of last year, you know, sort of March. The shutdown really happened. We didn't know. Is it four weeks, eight weeks? No. You know, I don't think anybody anticipated that you'd have parts of the world, Australia, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, New Zealand on lockdown again. And it's like their 30th time. Uh, and like you said, who knows another year, year and a half, whatever it's going to be. So it was April, May and Mark, uh, our CEO gave us a challenge at the time. Slack was not part of Salesforce. So I think we were like 57 or 58,000 employees globally. Now everybody's working from home, right? No one's in the offices or the towers or anything. He gave us a challenge to have 1 million conversations with customers. Once again, 57,000 employees, so 1 million. So if you're a small company, say it's 100 or 1,000, but stay with me. A million conversations. It wasn't a million sales calls. It wasn't a million demos. It wasn't a million RFP responses. It was 1 million conversations. And we programmatized that to capture, you know, we asked a series of questions and it wasn't something like, what do you need from us? Because they don't know what they need from us. It was, how are you doing? What are your biggest challenges? And we started to hear that now, because remember back then we didn't know how long this was going to go. People were talking about how am I going to get people back to the office and get back to the office safely? So we said, well, hold on. That has pieces and parts of products we already have. 
service cloud, sales cloud, a little marketing cloud, um, our, you know, our IoT cloud, our platform, like we had an answer to that. And then we, we could develop something more. So in the middle of last year, we launched six new products. We reorganized parts of our product team. We changed our product roadmap in some ways. We opened up Rex for 4,000 new hires because we realized that things had changed. We went and struck a partnership with CVS, not to buy our technology, but because we knew that vaccinations and testing was going to be a critical part to people getting their employees back to work. And so if we could create that synergy, um, we could then figure out a way to move forward. So why am I telling this story? Because we went out and had a million conversations and our customers told us what pains they were having, what they were concerned about. And we came back and said, okay, where can we play to help this? Launching six products, buying Slack, like, you know what I mean? Like all of that was part of the response. And by the way, we ended up doing a million and a half conversations. Mark in classic Salesforce form says, great, moved it to, uh, you know, 6 million, 5 million. Uh, and now we've done almost six and a half or 7 million. But that conversation to customers, now back to your question, Wes, is ask your customers. Now you can't ask your customers as, you know, kind of a la Steve Jobs. They don't know what they want. If we would ask them, they never would have said an iPod or an iPhone or whatever. But what's the jobs to be done that they're trying to solve? The job to be done in this case was get my employees back to work safely, right? And how do I keep working remotely in a collaborative way? Oh, Slack, you know, oh, work.com, oh, you know, so they were saying those things. We didn't need to talk product with them. We needed to understand the pain points. So if you're listening to this, regardless if it's a year from now, a year and a half from now, three months from now, whatever it is, what do your customers need? And if you don't have it, should you build it? Should you buy it? Should you partner like the CVS example, buy it like the Slack example, you know, or build it like the work.com example. So I give that to you as the answer to that question, Wes, lies with your customers and your employees. And the best way to know the answer is to actually ask. So becoming a master asker of asking questions, capturing that information, looking for the patterns and signals, coming up with a strategy. Now, once again, 57,000 employees, we're a very big company, I understand. But that means that if you have 50 people or 25 people or 100 people, it's even more manageable. So, you know, that is a great way to look for that true north of where you're actually going and then marry that up against trends in your particular industry, you know, category, size company, like that cleaning guy, like what's happening. If there's a lot of real estate being sold in my you know, 10 zip code area that I serve, then maybe I should do that cleaning. Like what's going on externally, what's going on internally and what's happening with your customers. If you don't know that as a leader, as a sales leader, as an entrepreneur, as an owner, then that would be my first order of business for you Monday morning. If you have to go out and have those conversations. That is the answer. You know, I could give you the canned analyst advisor answer, consultant answer, if this is what I think it is. But that is dangerous if I don't know what's going on in those three categories, right? Because then I'm going to give you someone else's answer for a completely different business with a completely different opportunity. Yeah. Is it just as simple as call and say, hey, what's going on? It could be. It could be. But what you have to do is if Wes calls and says, hey, what's going on? And I call and ask, you know, what are your three biggest? You have to get consistency, right? Otherwise, the answers won't make sense. 
And so we really programmatized it, right? We loaded it up in Salesforce. We put the talk track up there. We put in the ways in which it was going to get captured. You know, we put behind it Einstein from an AI perspective. We created an insight dashboard that pushed it out to the executive leadership team. And, you know, they from there could make the right decisions um, for us. Now, fast forward, uh, last quarter, we had our best quarter ever. So that's what I would say to that. <laughs> <laughs> things must be working. Things are, but you know, it's always been sort of the way we've done things. I think as you get bigger, it gets harder and harder to remember the basics of what do your employees need? What do your customers need? And are you aligned to those things? So, you know, going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, is 10 steps right? Is seven steps right? That's all about you, not the customer. Customer doesn't care. They don't care at all what your internal process is. They want it to be frictionless, seamless, easy, and a great experience. And so if you're too internally focused with your, you know, it's undercover boss at its finest. I don't know what's happening in the field because I'm too in my office, right? Or in my spreadsheet or in my dashboard, and I'm not talking enough. And when you think about the best companies, if you think about Herb Kelleher from Southwest, working with the baggage people once a month, because I want to hear what's going on, right? Or the CEO of Costco in a Costco somewhere in the country every single day, except Sundays, you know, or Hilton or, you know, all of these brands, Nordstrom, where they have amazing uh, customer experience and employee engagement is because executives actually get out and ask questions to both customers and employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, are live events coming back or are y'all doing Dreamforce or is it virtual for the foreseeable future? We're doing hybrid events. Dreamforce will be hybrid. We have a small amount of executives uh, coming into San Francisco. You know, in uh, in 19, we had like 170,000 people converge on San Francisco. Uh, mm. That is not happening this time, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and we're actually going to host uh, multiple Dreamforce events around the world, Paris, um, London, and then in San Francisco, so that we can have small groups of executives sort of seeing everything um, and then we're going to be streaming it, uh, you know, live uh, across the web, um, which we've now done for our world tours over the last year and a half, where it's been pretty virtual. And the great news is that we've gotten far more engagement because not everyone can fly and come and not everything was shared online. But now if everything is shared online, we're getting incredible uh, engagement. So this year will remain hybrid. Um, we've got some offices that are open now, you know, in cohorts of vaccinated uh, people, um, and those will continue to open, you know, following obviously uh, all of the guidelines um, across the globe. Uh, but, you know, we are doing small events. Uh, you know, we are doing these hybrid events. Um, and, and it's really about success from anywhere. Like, can we be successful regardless of where we are um, in, in events as well as uh, in engaging with clients? So where do we send people? Um, do you have a book page? Do we send them to Salesforce? Do they just call the main number and say, yeah, I'd like to talk to Tiffany and, and get her book? I mean, where, where do we send people? You they probably, if, they, if you did that, they'd probably go, who? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might not know that. Um, so, you know, I'm really active on social media. You know, follow me on LinkedIn and or Twitter. I'm on Instagram as well and Facebook. Um, I've got a podcast called What's Next with Tiffany Boba that actually doesn't talk about sales. Um, I leave that for these kinds of podcasts like I'm doing with Wes and or the Salesforce sales podcast. 
Uh, I do LinkedIn lives. Um, and then TiffanyBova.com has got, you know, a ton of information as well. Uh, but you can buy the book, you know, anywhere you buy books, whether it be a bookstore um, and or, uh, you know, uh, brick and mortar and or online. And it's translated in nine languages. So it's also in Spanish and Portuguese, Polish, simple Chinese, Mandarin, Thai, Vietnamese. Uh, brief. The Queen's English because um, it's in the UK. It's in all the Commonwealth. So uh, and it's also an audible. So you can um, listen to it and or you can get it on Kindle. Yeah, but do you have it in Cajun so I can send it to my people back home? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I need a lot of pictures. I'm from Louisiana. English was an elective. Okay. So you got to, you, you got to so draw let this me, for so me. So let me tell you something. <laughs> I got a brilliant piece of advice when I was, um, I resisted writing a book for a really long time. And I'm sure you know who Seth Godin is. Um, Seth said to me, pulled me aside at an event, uh, actually for HubSpot, where I was keynoting. And it was myself. Brene Brown, Seth Godin, Malala, and Chelsea Clinton. Not sure how I got on main stage with those four, but that's who I was speaking with. All right. So Seth and I are in backstage and I've known him now. I was the beta client for Eloqua. Oh, wow. And I was the beta client for Constant Contact. I've been doing this for a minute. I am seasoned. <laughs> okay. So I've known Seth since right before Purple Cow. So let's, it's 2001, 2002-ish. <clears throat> and so we're backstage and we're having this conversation. Anyway, he convinced me that it, I needed to write a book. When Seth Godin tells you you need to write a book, you pretty much go home and go, I need to write a book. And then he said to me, but write the book you would want to read. I said, I don't know what that means, but okay. So in my due diligence, I reread all the big business books that, you know, good to great. Crossing the chasm, you know, all of the, all of the big blue ocean strategies, like, you know, right. Yep. And what I learned was <clears throat> as a, you know, recovering seller, which I am, cause I no longer carry a quota. I have a very short attention span and I get bored really easily. What, <laughs> Maybe it's what, not just, yeah. What, what, what yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I found myself really struggling to read the book. So I said, I understand, write the book you would want to read. So do I want to write one story across 240 pages that just sort of dribbles on for 240 pages? Or I learn visually, I'm a listen learner, not a read learner. And I love stories because I will remember the key points. So I said, I'm going to write this book in story format. So in each path, there's three stories two positive use cases of that particular path and a cautionary tale of where someone got it wrong. And, it, and oh, by the way, I underlined for you the key points on each page. <laughs> so if you don't want to read the whole page or chapter, catch the underlines. And if that's too much for you, at the end of the chapter, I put key takeaways, five bullets. If you don't want to read the story or the chapter, read the bullets and I put sketch notes in there to actually visually tell the story for each story. So I have hit <laughs> the audience of, I can't sit and read 240 pages. Like if I can get them past the 30th page, they might finish the book. And I'll tell you, I worked really hard on the format of that book. And I hear it almost every day of people go, I don't like to read. This was a great book. Thank you for spending the time on that. So 
you know, back to what you just said, there are pictures, there are underlines, there are bullets, <laughs> there are all kinds of ways. Now, if you listen to the book, you lose all that. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of hear me talking and I can't go underline, you know, and, oh, there's a drawing and the drawing looks like this. We, you know, couldn't do that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great uh, book for those that aren't really heavy readers, but are looking for some great content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like the pictures, a little Starbucks drawing here, a little smiley dude, stars on his face. I mean, hey, even I can keep up. So you there know. you go. So it was written for you, Wes. It was written for you. <laughs> the world is my oyster. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, I know you are busy. I appreciate you carving out some time and coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, I'll grab all your links. So I'll do that in the post-production. Everybody just look her up. It's Tiffany with an I, uh, B-O-V-A, Tiffany Bova. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Wes. Remember the basics. So good. Build it, buy it, partner to develop it, become a master asker, get your ask in gear. Do you even know what you want to ask for? So many of us just don't even have goals. We don't have any clarity. So we can't ask for help because we don't know what we want. We don't have a goal. You know, what's the saying? Any road will get you there. Salesforce launched six new products in the middle of COVID. What are you waiting for? Have more conversations. I love uh, their their million conversation challenge. Um, have conversations. Like I just had this Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp outage. You know, did you call anybody? Or you just wait. <laughs> Keep refreshing your screens. Get back to having personal interactions. The world's in a crazy place. Our country's in a crazy place. Uh, people are frightened. They're uncertain. Supply chain issues. More bullshit coming down from the government on COVID. Um, if you don't step up, things will get worse before they get better. So salespeople, entrepreneurs are the ones to solve the problems that face us, mainly by electing the assholes out of, out of office. But I digress. Um, but if you follow the news, if you look at the posts, uh, people are totally irrational. You know, I follow the science. Science is all about Asking a question, forming a, a hypothesis, right? A, an educated guess, and then doing everything in your power to prove it wrong, not right. You know, this negative reverse selling. You, you go about the sales process not expecting the prospect to buy. Oh, you, you wouldn't have time right now, would you? Oh, you, know, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know who in your department would handle that, would you? And when they go, yes, then you're pleasantly surprised. But the nice thing is it's it's a nice way of asking, of, of taking, helping the, the prospect lower their guard. You know, but you you have to question everything when you when you understand the purpose of sales. You know, your number one job as a salesperson is to prospect. Okay, we can't control whether or not somebody buys, but we can control if we put ourselves with the right offer in front of the right people. You do that enough, the sales, sales are lagging indicators. So do you have a process for going about this? You know, she talked about pr programmatize, and I can't even say it, 
uh, have a program, a system. You know, I call it process before login. I've always said if you do something two or three times a day or four or five times a week, have a process for it, document it, and ideally automate it. She's talking about having a program for your outbound calling slash listening. Do you have a multimedia, multi-step follow-up sequence? Do you have a multimedia, multi-step sales, marketing, follow-up, delivering experience? I call it A, B, C, D, E. Attract, bond, convert, deliver, and dear. And when I talk about the conversion, I mean converting to the sale. Not converting the leads. Okay? So what are you doing to delight to deliver a wow experience, or you you continue selling and serving through the sale. Those are the kind of systems that you need in place. And having a fresh set of eyes is the fastest, most effective way to help you fill in the gaps, to to raise the valleys and raise the peaks. You know that fresh set of eyes. We're going to ask questions that's. Maybe you've become jaded too. Honestly, sometimes you just don't see them. You just don't know. So that's what I do. Okay. So hit me up. Let's talk. See how I can help you. You need your systems though. Go to the website. Do a search for ABCDE. Uh, you can go to the saleswhisperer.com slash PBL. So Papa Bravo Lima. Process before login is what it stands for. It'll, it'll expand out. But uh, there's a video there. There's a PDF you can download. Make sure you're creating systems and processes to grow your sales because that's the only way you're going to do it predictably, affordably, and without losing your mind. Okay? Thanks for listening. I'll go sell something.